Welcome to the Health Pulse podcast. I'm Dr. Connor Delaney, CEO and President of Cleveland Clinic, Florida. My special guest for today is Dr. Nicholas Brazzi. Dr. Brazzi is a cardiothoracic surgeon and researcher in the Department of Thoracic and Cardiovascular Surgery in the Heart, Vascular and Thoracic Institute of Cleveland Clinic, Florida. He's been with Cleveland Clinic since 2008 and is an expert in the field of heart transplantation and also mechanical circulatory support. Dr. Brazzi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Delany. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and it's a pleasure to have you on. And we're really excited to learn more about a special patient you treated recently. I understand your patient was Jaime, a fellow South Florida Weston Hospital physician who had a passion for cycling. One morning, he was out on one of his regular early morning bike rides when he collapsed on the road due to a heart attack, and he was rushed to Cleveland Clinic, Florida. Now, before we get into the further details of this case, could you start by giving us a brief summary of your own background and your own clinical expertise? Certainly. I'm a cardiothoracic surgeon, a native of Argentina. Um, I did my postgraduate fellowship and training in, in Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, and I joined Cleveland Clinic Florida here uh, in 2012 uh, with uh, additional training in heart transplantation and mechanical support. At the time, that was a goal to set up the programs here. And we eventually got our first heart transplant we performed in mid-2014. Thank you for that. So what can you tell us about your patient, Jaime? Could you give us a brief background of who he is and some of his interests just to bring his clinical story to life? Jaime is a physician uh, who had practiced all his career in South Florida. Uh, he has been actually a cyclist all his life, a competitive cyclist in his youth. But on the other hand, he had a strong family history of heart disease with his father and his grandfather dying at age 40, 52, and 53. Um, sure enough, Jaime developed a coronary artery disease at early age. And in 2001, at age 43, he required his initial interventions uh, performed by Dr. Howard Bush here at Cleveland Clinic with several stents to the arteries of his heart. That restored his health and he was able to get back to regular exercise and enjoy ride bikes with his friends and actually with his wife, another cyclist. And it was in the morning of 2007 that he was riding his bike actually within a local competition when he collapsed on the road. He went into cardiac arrest re requiring a CPR performed by another physician cyclist on the, on the road and he was rushed uh, to Cleveland Clinic where Dr. Bush was able to uh, perform a catheterization to stabilize him with an intraortic balloon pump. I mean that the stents have eventually uh, reached the nose. Uh, he uh, required a coronary bypass surgery. So during that admission, he received quadruple bypass surgery. I'm afraid uh, the heart has sustained some da damage. Jaime was able to, to get a stable condition and get back to his normal life for several years with medical therapy and the follow-up by the group of doctors here at Cleveland Clinic. But over time, uh, his heart... Uh, continued to de deteriorate and, and, and develop recurrent cardiac arrhythmias. So that then he required 
uh, an implantation of a cardiac defibrillator to be able to identify those arrhythmias and restore them. By May 2020, these arrhythmias have become uh, more of a problem. And it was uh, in mid-May of 2020 that he had eight episodes of ventricular arrhythmias requiring him to call 911 and he was rushed to Cleveland Clinic again, once again. Uh, it was clear by then that his heart uh, was giving up and he required to be emergently work up and listed for a heart transplant. At the time, he was stabilized with medical therapy and he required the insertion of an intraortic balloon pump, a temporary mechanical device that allowed him to stabilize while he was getting uh, on the list and waited for a suitable donor to become available. Thank you for the outline on the background. Uh, certainly a complex case and it's, uh, it's catastrophic, obviously, when somebody has cardiac disease significant enough that they, they get failure like that. So obviously, Jaime has made several trips to Cleveland Clinic, Florida for treatment. Um, and you explained to us clearly uh, what brought him in the first time. Um, but maybe talk a little bit to explain to listeners, you know, what the recovery process is and just so they understand earlier on how would he have recovered and maybe talk about some of the changes that happened that, that bring, bring you back to hospital for later disease, so to speak. Yeah, Jaime's case actually really illustrates the complexity of, of patients, you know, with a heart disease, but, but also the, one of the unique characteristics of Cleveland Clinic in which uh, doctors uh, can offer therapies to each individual problem along the way and, 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 and work coordinated to, to, to support the, the patients uh, uh, in the best way possible. As Jaime's uh, disease progressed, um, you know, he was introduced to the heart failure team and, and, and he was being evaluated by the time he got to mid 2020 for a potential heart transplant. Certainly there is a process that patients uh, have go through and, and not only physically, but emotionally, they need to come in terms with the idea of, of getting a new heart. In that sense, our team is very supportive to help the patients understand and answer all the questions. When these arrhythmias became more uh, frequent, it was clear to him that time has come to take that next step. As he got admitted and required the support with this temporary mechanical device that allowed him to remain stable and improve his general condition in anticipation for surgery. Another feature, as our patients are waiting for a heart transplant in cases like Jaime with a temporary device, our physical therapies are very aggressive to sort of precondition patients in anticipation for surgery, help them mobilize and ambulate and work to keep their physical um, strength in anticipation for the surgery to come. Within 10 days of support, a, a suitable donor became available. Surgery went very well and we were very happy with the result and his recovery was really uh, uneventful. Uh, he was able to get back home to his loved ones within two weeks. Well, you mentioned a, a lot of important technologies there, even to the physical therapy and preconditioning, which is so important in so many types of surgery and up to transplant. But you also talked or mentioned a little earlier balloon pumps, implantable defibrillators, 
things that are, are really latest advancements or, or re reasonably novel advancements uh, that we need for some patients who are treating. Maybe you could just mention briefly to listeners, what's an intraortic balloon pump? How does it actually help somebody? And, and the defibrillator that you can implant, how does that help them? Just so they have a feel for the array of treatment options that are available. Of course. The defibrillator um, is, uh, detects the arrhythmias that are triggering the heart more frequently in patients with advanced heart failure, but also with other conditions, and will be able to detect the arrhythmias and provide a shock with a small amount of energy, electrical energy, to restore the normal rhythm of the patients. The intraortic balloon pump is actually the oldest form of mechanical circulatory support of the oldest device uh, that had been developed actually shortly after the first heart transplant uh, in 1968, 1969. And you may argue it's the one that the form of mechanical support that has helped and saved the most lives uh, over the course of the years. So it continues to be a very good technology. It's a elongated balloon that is uh, connected to the tip of a, of a wire. It's inserted most frequently through the groin in the femoral artery and will inflate and deflate coordinated with the uh, heartbeats to facilitate the work of the heart and sort of put the heart at rest. What has happened in recent years, and we've been early adopters of the, this strategy, is that we now uh, place the intraortic balloon pump through an axillary artery here in the shoulder. This allows us to move the patients out of bed and work in this uh, reconditioning in anticipation to any other potential surgeon. That's a great explanation, thank you. So using defibrillation for uh, rhythm issues for patients and then using the, the balloon pump to really, so it gives an additional boost to the pump function of the heart. And the problem with the heart is that the heart is failing. So obviously Jaime went on to have a heart transplant, which is the ultimate treatment and the, the totally reconstructive treatment for somebody whose heart is failing as, as a pump or for other reasons. So maybe you could let patients know a little bit what his recovery looked like after the heart transplant. Certainly, you know, patients go in with a failing heart. Most of the time patients have been dealing with heart issues for many, many years. In occasions, other organs may start to suffer because of this. Sometimes the kidneys are a little weaker. Sometimes the liver may be a little more congested. And certainly with the new heart, all this process gets restored. The blood flow to all the organs get uh, improved significantly. In terms of the surgery itself, it's not significantly different from any other open heart surgery. Most of them are performed with the heart lung machine to support the blood flow through the body as we do the, the, the cardiac surgery, in this case, a heart transplant. Uh, so the first few days, patients are in the intensive care unit as they recover and we monitor very closely their vital signs. And then within a few days, patients are transferred to the step-down unit as we adjust the rest of the medicines and optimize their condition restore their ability to move independently. So most patients will spend about uh, 15 uh, days after transplant. As a matter of fact, that's the average uh, post-transplant stay in our program in Cleveland Clinic, Florida, which is better than the national average, roughly 18 to 19 days. 
Uh, that's impressive. It shows that the, the process is reliable and the surgeries of very high quality. And obviously then the patients stay on immunosuppression so they don't reject the heart and they go through uh, routine follow-up. So that's, that's very important. Tell us a little bit more about the heart transplantation donor process. Uh, what does the process look like for a patient to find a compatible match? Yes, uh, certainly the compatibility between the donor and the recipient is based on the blood type to prevent rejection. We assess and evaluate the patients to make sure there is no preformed antibodies that may uh, play a role in rejection after uh, uh, the transplant is done. And also we, in the case of the, of the heart, a lot has to do with the size of the donor and the recipient, particularly as it relates to similar height and body mass index. One other particular characteristic, I guess, of, of our program, and we take pride on that, is that we are very aggressive seeking for all uh, offers that come along and, and, and to, 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 to facilitate access to, to the patients that are waiting, uh, that are on the waiting list to access the donor hearts. And, and that reflects actually in the average waiting uh, time in our program, uh, roughly about six weeks in comparison to the national average that is over five and a half months. Well, that's really impressive. And so for patients, obviously that's transformative waiting six weeks rather than, than six months. And, and one of the issues with patients waiting a long time on a transplant waiting list is that they can die for a heart transplant because their pump is failing. So that, that's a really impressive um, result, Dr. Brosey. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could highlight some of the key takeaways of this case for listeners. I, I can think of several, but maybe you could outline one or two important yeah. key takeaways. I think it, it definitely illustrates uh, the partnership of, of, you know, and, and the commitment to, of Cleveland Clinic uh, to support the patients along the journey, or along the course of their lifetime, if you would, right? I mean, started with a procedure that is done Normally, as an outpatient with the stents to the arteries of the heart, patient will come in, will go home within. He got the benefit of that therapy for several years. When he then collapsed and was restored on the, on the road, just to keep in mind the statistics, only 10% of those patients that collapsed and require CPR outside of the hospital will have a second chance. And, and Jaime did, reflecting the commitment and move on. He received his open heart operation another complexity in the treatment and so on along the course of his, of his story, all the way up to the heart transplant that re he required several years later. Well, thank you for highlighting that. So what would you recommend for any listener who might be in a similar situation to Jaime? I would recommend, I would encourage the listeners um, to seek an opinion, to not wait, is rather to you know, consult early and be guided in the proper way that to wait and come later when, when the disease can be further advanced and, they, and may have less options. There is always opportunity for a second opinion and we are always eager to provide the second opinion, mindful of the uh, assessment and the workup that our colleagues might have done at other institutions. Anything and importance, uh, a strength of our practice is the group practice, the team approach to any patient with such complexity in which we don't hesitate, we interact with each other on a daily basis, having the best uh, interests of the patient in mind uh, as we discuss the options for therapy. A great review. Yes, I always think of us as a team of teams and the team of teams is probably most 
on display in transplant, uh, whether it's cardiac or liver or, or many of the programs that we have, but the teams are, are really important. And I think you mentioned two other really important things. One is getting an opinion from um, somebody who's part of a program that has the whole array of treatment options for you. Uh, and that has a really experienced group of, of providers and clinicians and physicians uh, to care for you. So Nicholas, I'd like to thank you so much for your incredibly valuable insight into Jaime's case. Hearing about experiences like his really helps us understand the real world impact uh, that advanced medical care has on our patients' lives. I want to thank you again for your time. Uh, we really appreciate having you on. Thank you, Dr. Dylan. To our listeners, to learn more about cardiac and thoracic surgery care at Cleveland Clinic Florida, please visit ccf.org and join me next time on our next episode of the Health Pulse podcast. Please be sure to like this and subscribe to this podcast so you never have to miss our latest episodes.